Welcome to Grit, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth, uh, founder of Sisu, the growth automation software for real estate, and your host. And today, I'm here with Chris Waters from Waters International. Chris and I met last year at the Inman Conference in New York City. And uh, ever since then, I think we've spoken probably almost weekly. Uh, Quite a bit. I've gotten to know Chris really, really well. And uh, I, as all of you know, I watch people build real estate teams every day. I'm, I'm in communication with some of these top team leaders. And Chris, I think, has really gone out more than anyone I've seen on the limb. He's been willing to spend, you know, a million dollars on a Salesforce platform, spends tons of money on advertising every month, on billboards, different campaigns like that. He knows what works, what doesn't work. And in my opinion, he runs probably a more efficient business than anybody that I've seen. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Would love to maybe have you give a little more background on how long you've been in real estate, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so thanks, Brian. I appreciate those kind words. Um, yeah, I'm, I've said before, not super proud about the money I've spent on Salesforce, but um, it was a very expensive PhD in technology. Um, so, you know, I got started in real estate full-time about 10 years ago, and um, uh, I was about 20, 24, 25 years old, and um, uh, I had actually gotten my license out of college. And I joined a real estate team and I was on that team for about three months. And to be honest, I just wasn't at a very, uh, I wasn't very coachable, I guess uh, is, is the word. I wasn't very coachable at 21 years old, getting into real estate. And uh, I sold several homes in the first three or four months, but I ended up getting out of real estate because I, I just felt really um, frustrated um, with where I was at. And um, I got back in real estate full time in 2010 as the market was, you know, in a, in a pretty bad, uh, pretty, it was, it was pretty rough. Um, but, um, you know, I started off like everybody trying to learn how to be a great agent, uh, mastering the inside sales component of managing leads and setting appointments. And then, you know, getting face to face with people and trying to figure out how to get them to commit to working with you. And then, um, you know, uh, becoming a market expert, you know, like figuring out how to like research properties and do all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, my, my whole reasoning for getting into real estate was like, you know, the, the tangible stuff, probably like most people, you know, like I wanted the fancy cars and you know the Olympic size pool and all this stuff. And, um, you know, uh, to be honest though, I've, I've kind of discovered really my, my true internal motivator was, um, you know, I just had a massive, I had a massive chip on my shoulder. Um, you know, when I, uh, was growing up, I had a single mom. Uh, my mom was, um, you know, raised my brother and I, and, um, you know, we, she was super smart, got a college degree and, um, worked her butt off. You know, she had two jobs. She was in the emergency room and then like had another job. And I remember my mom writing uh, notes for me to read as a kid when she would, uh, um, go to work at like 11 o'clock at night to work the night shift at the emergency room. And I'd read them when I woke up and, uh, um, you know, I, um, you know, we lived in this, uh, uh, it looks like, it, you know, it's funny. I actually, I, I drove out to uh, Taylor, Texas, where we were living. And I took a picture of this house we lived in. And um, <laughs> the house looks like my, uh, looks like the, looks like the shed in my backyard. <laughs> it's like, it was like a 500 square foot, two bedroom, you know, one bath house. And, um, you know, it is, my mom wasn't driven by money. She was, she had a servant's heart. And, you know, she cared about everybody else, she cared about everyone else except herself. And so, you know, anyways, I just, I had a, I, my real driving force, I think at that point was, I just had a lot to prove. And as a kid, I was really frustrated, always coming from this place of limitation. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was highly driven to be successful and, and find success and started knocking down those dominoes I mentioned earlier. And, you know, I, I realized very quickly that, um, 
uh, well, actually, I was, I was reading a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And he talked about this quadrant. And he said, most people get stuck um, being self-employed and owning a job, not actually owning a business. And so, you know, I, I didn't want to own a job. I wanted to own a business. And so um, when I was about 25, 26, I um, wanted to start helping other people, you know, learn how to kind of follow in my footsteps of selling a lot of homes. And so, you know, I started, I had this epiphany. I was like, man, what if I, instead of having a brokerage where it's some open door policy and you hire anybody, what if I focused on, you know, hiring people that were specialized in very specific fields, like a person setting the appointments, a person going on the appointments, um, a back office team doing all the administrative type stuff. Um, and I, and so I had this idea and I, I started putting it in place and, and I'd love to tell you it went great, but, um, the first year was, um, was an epic failure. Uh, I, our, my team sold 98 homes, which, which may sound awesome, but the truth is um, 18 of those 20 only sold 18 homes. So me and one other guy sold 80 of the houses and the other 18 were sold by 18 people. And so- So what, what was the idea? You said it, you had an idea and it was an epic failure. The idea was to build a team? Build a team and then put people in very specialized type roles. And so, um, you know, I, I had a, a transaction coordinator person, you know, I had, I had an inside salesperson setting appointments. Um, you know, we were leveraging a courier, photographer, you know, all these people, right? Um, and so my roadblocks, the things that were my massive roadblocks with my, this epiphany I had actually pulling it off was one, you know, I couldn't figure out how to recruit and select the right people. I couldn't figure out how to recruit and select the right people. Like I recruited all these agents and I gave them all these opportunities and I did all these things to set them up for success, but yet they didn't capitalize on it. And so it was really difficult, like dialing in this recruiting and selection process. And then my second challenge was actually giving good quality leads to my agents. So I'd like to say that my only problem was like, I couldn't find good talent, but that was only one part of the puzzle. The second part of the puzzle was actually giving good leads to my agents. And so, you know, I'm like the Facebook generation. When I got on Facebook, you could only join Facebook if you had a .edu account. Yeah. And so I was all about, you know, I've always been about um, internet lead generation through Facebook, Google AdWords, search engine optimization. And so that so was wait my, a minute. You were, you were one of the, you were one of the people that got on with a .edu before Facebook really opened up to the public. Yeah, my college was like the um, like 11th or 12th college to get on Facebook. Um, and so uh, Mark Zuckerberg, he and I graduated the same year from college. And so it got it all got started like, you know, uh, it was basically kicked off when I was a um, towards the in uh, towards the end of my freshman year of college is when Facebook launched. And um, my yeah, my school, I don't know, like 11, 12, 13, I don't know, something like that. But um, anyways, um, you know, one of my, the, one of my um, assumptions um, when it came to giving my, my team members leads was um, internet leads, right? And what I realized very quickly is that um, internet leads are, you know, one of the lowest quality, lowest converting lead sources you can give to your team members. Uh, you know, and, and there is a caveat to that. There is some technology you can go out and buy and bolt on to improve the efficiency of your agents. But generally speaking, the, load, the, the lead quality is low because the consumer intent is very weak. You know, if someone's randomly on their Facebook page and they click on a link about what their home is worth or looking at homes for sale, um, you know, their intent's not that strong versus if your phone rings with someone saying, hey, my buddy told me about you, right? Like they said, you're the best realtor in the city and I should work with you to go buy a house. Like that's a really high quality lead because that consumer has a lot of intent. So mm -hmm. consumer intent is what I learned really drives um, lead generation. And so your, your lead generation campaigns and where you should be focusing on your lead generation um, should be focused on uh, um, lead sources where consumers are going to have much higher consumer intent. And so internet leads is not, is not one of them. Um, there is a way, again, to make it more efficient, but I'm not going to get into that. My third, um, my third roadblock was um, how to train and lead agents. You know, like, how do I actually, you know, take what's in my brain of like how I got to where I was and like put that into a very, um, you know, simple kind of crash course to help, you know, accelerate people's success. And so 
I really struggled with those three things, the recruiting and selection process, teeing up the right opportunities and training and leading agents. But eventually I started figuring it out. Like I finally started figuring out how to hire the right people, what leads to give them and how to actually train them. And so and this was like, like seven years ago, you were struggling with these questions. Yeah. So this is like 20, um, 20, 20, this is 2011, 2012, okay. um, seven, eight years ago. And so I finally started figuring this out after falling on my face a lot. And also, you know, I, I, one of my little shortcut, I always tell people like, you know, the shortcut to anything in life is go find someone that's already done it and pay them whatever you got to pay them to like extract that knowledge out of their brain because you will waste far more money on trying to figure it out yourself and reinventing the wheel. So and time, I, and time right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I spent a lot of money on, you know, I've been through pretty much every coaching program there is out there. Um, and, and they're, they're all amazing. You know, every single coaching program out there in the real estate industry is phenomenal. And I'm a big advocate of all of them and they all have things that they're going to help you figure out. But, um, you know, basically, you know, I, I started figuring this stuff out and my agents started freaking crushing it. You know, my, um, I, I, my listing agents, for example, my worst performing listing agent, worst performing one, um, was selling between 80 and 85 homes in a year. And my best performing, my best performing listing agents were selling between 120 and 130 homes every year, like clockwork. And so, you know, like, it, you know, obviously, you know, I got to a point where, you know, I could buy the fancy cars and, um, you know, I went out and bought the, uh, Ironman car, the Audi R8 and uh, got the cool house and all that. But what was more amazing about all that, like beyond the tangible stuff was like, you know, probably it was, I mean, like, I can't put a price tag on this. It's like, it's literally unquantifiable. Like, you know, people coming to you and, and telling you like, you've literally changed the whole, the course of their life and their, and their kids' lives and, you know, the generations ahead of them, because, you know, they themselves never in a million years saw themselves being able to have so much success in this field. And, you know, I had a lot of people on my team that, you know, were, you know, it had a job and they were making, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 a year. And uh, they, you know, they came on our team and now they're making three to five to six, seven times what they were making previously. And, you know, you just, you know, it's just, it's so cool to see somebody's, you know, life on the outside just radically change. And then, and especially when they're super grateful for it, you know, so that was the real transformation for me. So Chris, and, I'd like to dig, dig a little deeper into that before we move on. So you, you had this obsession with fancy cars and really got into real estate for the same reason as many people do, which is about the money, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now you've shifted, you have a different why. Yep. You talk a little bit more about your why today. What is that? What is it yeah. that drives you? Because I know it's not the fancy cars anymore. I don't, do you even, I mean, talk oh. about that. What kind of car do you have today? I have a, um, yeah, so my Audi R8, I think it was 225 grand. It was a GT, a race model um, for the, made for the track. Um, but anyways, my, my car now is a, a, a Toyota Tundra. I think it's like nine years old. It has 150,000 miles on it. I also have a couple like Priuses that are pretty beat up, but um, um, honestly, I, I, I have uh, probably about two years ago, I started, uh, cause I don't, I don't work with, I haven't worked with clients in over five years. And so I started Ubering around town about two years ago. So I don't typically uh, drive nowadays unless I'm at, I have to put something in the car, but um, you know, to your, to your question, what, what's the driving force? Um, you know, I, I honestly felt like, I guess, you know, I don't know, is it like the leprechaun where you find the gold of the rainbow? I was like, you know, like in 20, uh, I think it was 2014 or 2015, I, I paid, um, I paid taxes. My, my adjusted gross income was on a million dollars. And I was like, I didn't actually believe it. Cause I, you know, you're, I was in the whirlwind. And, um, you know, I, and so I felt, I was like, more people need to know how to do this. And, you know, um, you know, I, I didn't think I was any smarter than anybody else. I was just willing to probably fail more than most people and keep going. Um, I was, I remember watching, I was watching Shark Tank one night and Barbara Corcoran said, um, you know, as a real estate agent or entrepreneur, you know, you, you've got to be dumb enough to get punched in the face 99 times and be willing to stand up one more time to find success. And so, you know, I, I, I that's really the, I guess the X factor of what, what, how I was able to pull this off. But um, you know, really the, the true why for me now is I just, I kind of feel like I have a moral obligation to 
share this with people because it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, I, I started um, basically taking all of our systems, lead generation processes, everything. And about four years ago, a little over four years ago, I started testing it in other markets to see if it, you know, other people could replicate this. And, you know, I, I took somebody that was doing 30, she, she had been an agent for 10 years and she um, had hit a ceiling. Like she could not break 30 deals a year. And in her first 12 months of us working together, she went from, you know, 25, 30 deals to just shy of a hundred transactions. And, you know, obviously radically changed her world. And um, so what does that mean? How did you work together? You were her coach? What? Yeah. So we, so this was my very first test in, um, in expansion. And so, you know, like obviously your first person, that's a Guinea pig, you know, like they're not going to just, you know, um, come on board unless you have some, you know, strong value proposition. And so basically my value proposition was money. <laughs> so yeah. I, I put up a lot of the money um, to start this team and we went into a, um, an equity partnership and, you know, helped not only with the money um, and probably put up, I put up considerably less money than what you would expect, but we each put up money and then, you know, she was the boots on the ground building the team and implementing. And then I shared with her all the secrets, you know, all the things that I had to figure out to knock down those big three challenges I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And she, you know, she grew 300%. The next year she, um, you know, went from a hundred to almost 200 transactions. And then the third year, I think, you know, she's on track to like 300 transactions. Um, so anyways, um, I wouldn't do the equity partnership thing again. I actually found a better way to do it in terms of like replicating the systems. But, um, you know, she was one of my first case studies, if you will. I did another one in another market and another one. And like each one kept getting better and better, you know, like this guy, um, two years ago I brought on, um, he, he, uh, was an onsite sales guy. So he, you know, he was also, he was an agent, but all of his business came from being an onsite sales guy. And when he left the builder, you know, he had zero business. Like he was literally starting from ground zero. And, um, in his first year he did 110 closings and they had nothing to do with new construction or, his past client database, like none of that. It was all business we originated through various lead generation strategies. And then in his second year, he went from 110 to 250 closings. I mean, just phenomenal, phenomenal growth. Okay, so you're getting all these people from zero to 250, zero to 300. Tell us, where's your business at today, Chris? So our, um, our team in Austin, which is kind of like my R&D lab, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, it, it's honestly, it's, I, I don't want to say it's been on autopilot. I mean, we have a lot of people here in Austin, they work incredibly hard and we have an amazing leadership team. Um, but I, you know, I, I also leveraged the leadership team to help with expansion. And so, um, our team in Austin has been kind of on autopilot, you know, between 150 to 200 million in closed sales. Um, you know, I think the team will do, you know, some, somewhere between six and 700 transactions this year. I don't even know. I need, I need to, I need to go look. Um, you, you should, you should look at your CSU dashboards. Maybe. Well, the, so the thing is, is like our CSU dashboard only shows the buy side. And so we have to get an integration from Salesforce to, uh, CSU right. to pull in all right. the numbers. Right. So I, I know the team is going to be somewhere between six, 700 transactions. I mean, we have, you know, we have like, uh, you know, I think we have 80 deals, somewhere around 70 to 80 deals in escrow right now. And I, I'm sure, you know, most of those are set to close this month. So I think we'll finish somewhere between six and 700. Um, so anyways, but the team has been kind of on autopilot. Like it's been doing over 500 transactions since 2015. And so I, I, I've kind of, you know, in 2015, that's really when I stepped away to start working on expansion and testing expansion. Yeah. So, so, I mean, most people can't comprehend that. Most people running a team are still actually working in the business, selling houses. You've been out now for five years, you said, you well, in the business for seven or eight, you know, so I, I, how, I, does I someone, how does someone make that happen? So on, honestly, it, you know, I think, honestly, I think 80% of your success in the real estate brokerage business is predicated on your ability to learn how to recruit and select talent. Like that's, that's really what it boils down to. Like, this is such a people centric business. Like, you know, if you can dial in the recruiting and selection process, like that's, that's more than that's, that's 80% of the battle, to be honest. Like, um, you know, there's this real popular book that came out, I think like 20 years ago for real estate. And it said, you're in the lead generation business. 
and that's really not the case. You know, like you can go buy leads, right, from all these companies that now in the last decade, like they like authentically specialize in lead generation, you know? And so like, you know, as a, if you're a real estate agent, you know, your business is lead conversion. If you're building a team, your business is recruiting and selecting talent. Um, so anyways, um, well, uh, my ADD kicked in. What was the original question, Brian? Yeah, no, I mean, it's really, how do you, how did you step out of your business? You know, for the last five years, how much time do you actually spend in your business versus doing other things? And where's your focus today? Yeah. So in the summer of 2013, that's when I stopped practicing as an agent. So that was, you know, I got started full time in the summer of 2010. And so exactly, what is that? 2011. So exactly three years later, um, I stopped practicing full time as an agent and I just focused on the team. So congratulations, by the way. I mean, that's, that's incredible. In three years, you were able to build a business that's bringing you, I don't know, a million dollars a year at least and and step out of that business and do other things and and it sounds like your focus now is actually teaching people how to replicate and do what you've done yeah so quit practicing as an agent um in the summer of 2013 to be honest you know i'd like to tell you i was like really smart or intentional about it but in the summer of 2013 like i was i was starting to have like these you know horrible anxiety attacks like um, between January and June of 2013, I went on 267 listing appointments. Like I will never forget that number, 267 listing appointments. Wow. And, and in the end of June, like mentally, my mind was like, to say it was fried would be an understatement. Um, 267 listing appointments in six months is a lot. Okay. Um, I think most people would agree with that. <laughs> so I, I want to come back to that, but finish your point and then we'll come back to that. Yeah. So, I mean, literally like for mental sanity's sake, I was like, I've got to stop producing. I can't be an agent any longer. Um, And so I, uh, I focused on just the business for the next year and a half, developing talent, developing leadership. And then, and at the end of 2014, I anointed a guy that, um, you know, was on the team as the president and um, his, his name is Bradley Pounds. Um, and he took over the operation and, and in 20, um, at the beginning of 2015, end of 2014, I started focusing on expansion. So I haven't, I spend literally, you know, I spend literally one hour a week, um, with our team in Austin. Um, it's every Friday at noon, we have a leadership team meeting and that's, and I participate in that. And then we also have a quarterly strategic planning session and that's a full day event for me. And the reason why I'm even doing the one day a week leadership tra- uh, leadership meeting and the quarterly strategic planning stuff, the reason I'm, I'm involved in that is because we use Austin as an R&D lab. So at each of the quarterly strategic planning sessions, when we're going through our tactical operating priorities, you know, I share with the leaders like, hey, here are the things I, I want you guys to test and to report back to me how this stuff works, right? So um, you know, it's, that, that's why I'm involved in the Austin team. Cause like literally I don't even need to, I don't even need to go to the office. I don't even have a desk in the office. I haven't had a desk. In the, they actually kicked me out of the office because now it looks like you're actually in the office today. Is that right? I, I am actually in the office today. Um, I'm, I, it's kind of a long story. I'm, I'm moving. So I have a private office in downtown Austin and I'm in the midst of moving offices. And so I have movers over there now. Um, but anyways, uh, and it, and that's why I'm here on a, on a Wednesday but um, I need a place to work. So anyways, my point is um, uh, since 2015, I've been focused solely on teaching other people how to do this. And I'm, and I, and I'm, not, I'm not doing it in a coaching capacity because the thing was is like, I went out and I met a lot of people in the coaching industry and you know, they all have great businesses, but um, you know, I've always been really inspired by organizations like you know, in the military, you've got like the special forces in uh, the finance world, you got companies like Goldman Sachs in the nonprofit world, you have companies like teach for America. Um, so I, I've really been inspired by these organizations that are, you know, when they're, when they're compared to other uh, competitors in their field from a personnel perspective, they're actually kind of small but yet they perform at like a level 10 times greater than all their competitors. Okay. So that's what you're creating in real estate. So what is that, Chris? Tell us what that is. 
where do you where do you see that entity being in the next five ten years? What what is it? What is your vision of what what can happen in real estate? Yeah, so my my kind of thesis is predicated on um, agent productivity, not agent count. So a lot of the um, franchise systems out there, and a lot of the real estate companies that are out there, it, you know, their key metric is tracking agent count. Like that's all they care about. Are you and talking so, about brokerages, or who are you talking about? Just real estate companies in general that are you know okay. bringing on agents. Um, you know, most of them have an open door policy, and so it's it's you know like they don't have boot camps, for example, and they don't like kick people out or, you know, have people like go through some daunting process to actually become an, an agent at the company. So, so that we can understand this, Chris, help me understand. So you're doing 700 transactions out of your Austin location. Yep. Uh, roughly. Mm -hmm. How many agents do you have doing that? So, um, we have, um, we have four, uh, four listing agents. Um, and uh, to be honest with you though, like number three and number four were added this year. So I had two listing agents doing um, 250 to 300 uh, plus closings per year. Okay. Um, and then we added a third and fourth one this year. Um, and then on the buy side, um, we had about 15 agents. So total number of agents, 20, 20 agents. 20 agents. Doing That's very impressive. 700. So the average transaction count per agent is, you know, if you averaged them all out is like 35. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the industry, so, the industry so, averages, uh, what, six to seven. Yeah. So uh, let's go, let's go look at your listing agents though. Cause your listing agents are averaging more like a hundred. Yeah. So yeah. how do you do that? I mean, I, I look at you doing 267 listing appointments before you threw in the towel on that. Yeah. First off, how do you even schedule 267 listing appointments? Yeah, so um, it's funny. Uh, my, uh, I remember on my, um, I don't know which birthday it was, but on my birthday, uh, uh, my birthday is on December 30th. And I had, um, I was either, I think it was five, five or six listing appointments on my birthday. And um, my day started at 7.30 a.m. And um, I, I literally Happy New had, Year. Happy New Year there, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no joke. So my, I had my first listing appointment started at seven 30 and my last appointment was at seven 30. I believe I had six booked and it was like, you know, an hour and a half per appointment, 30 minutes of drive time. And so I haven't, I have, um, I had, and we still do, I had inside salespeople basically, um, setting appointments on my calendar. And then, um, you know, in the evening I would do all the research to go on the appointment and then, you know, and I would turn in, um, I'd scan all the documents, load it in the G drive, give it to our transaction team, and they would facilitate the marketing and the listing MLS, you know, like getting everything ready, scheduling photos, staging, whatever. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I remember my birthday that, that this was like that, that right before I, I uh, stopped being agent, um, on the 30th. And, um, I was, I was running late to every single appointment. My first appointment took, ended up taking three hours. And my whole day was, it was jacked up and I told everybody it was, it was my birthday and I, um, uh, was, you know, terribly sorry. Cause I was running late, like an hour and a half to all five appointments, like subsequent appointments. And people, when I, when I did show up, people felt so bad for me for being there on my birthday. I, they helped, that helped me win the listing. <laughs> so, <sure> it did. <laughs> uh, I ended up getting all the listings that day, which that was my record day. I think it was five or six. Um, anyways, so my, um, my, you know, the, the way you go on that many appointments is you have a, you have a team of people that are specialized in very specific, um, parts of the customer journey, you know? So, you know, when you think about the customer journey of a homeowner, for example, like there's one person dedicated, um, and each person has, you know, kind of this very specific scope of work that they focus on. And then they hand the baton off to the next person on the team. Can we drill into that a little bit deeper? So the first step is you need leads to be able to get that, right? So how do you generate leads? Yeah, so plethora of, I mean, you know, we have a plethora of different um, oil wells on the lead generation side. I mean, back in 2012, 2013, the market was horrible and there was an abundance of expireds. And so um, over 80% of my business was at that point was coming from expireds. Okay, um, so, so you didn't call those expireds though, right? So no, 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 back to, so let's that, go to that, the next step. 
Yeah, those were all coming. All of those expired listing appointments were from outbound prospecting. Okay, so how many people? How many people did you have calling, scheduling those appointments? How did you train them? Obviously, that's an ISA team prospecting expired. I, I only I, at that point I only had one ISA. I had one ISA. Okay. Um, he would set any you know he would set anywhere between twenty five and forty five appointments depending on time of year. Like if it was December, he was setting like twenty five appointments. Um, if it was um, you know uh, uh, you know basically like January is when things kick off massively, especially with expireds. Like January would be one of the biggest months, like 45 expired appointments. Um, and so, you know, January would be like 45. Um, this guy's name was Tim. He's kind of, I don't want to say a legend, but like he's, I will forever remember Tim. He, he was an awesome guy on the team. He worked for me for several years. Um, but, you know, like January, you do, do 45 appointments. It'd slowly scale up to, you know, he was setting, you know, 70, 80, 90 appointments a month. Um, am I so is, he, is he up on his own doing real estate now? Did he say, Hey, I, I can do 90 appointments a month. I'm doing this myself or what, what happened to him? You know, he actually, um, changed fields completely. Um, he just, he got kind of, he's, he got burned he's, out. he's an inside salesperson at heart. Yeah. Like that's like what he enjoys doing. And, um, he, he didn't get burned out. He just, he wanted to change industries. He had been with me for four years and he wanted, he wanted change and, we couldn't find a way to continue working together. Like the only thing I could do to help him go to the next level was, you know, putting him in a leadership position, which he wasn't interested in. And so we're, we're in Austin, Texas, there's all these technology companies. And so, um, you know, I couldn't offer him the same kind of compensation a technology company could in an inside sales capacity because, you know, real estate transaction here in Austin is like 10 grand in gross commissions, a technology company, some of these tech companies in Austin are selling products that, you know, create, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in reoccurring revenue every year. Right. So um, there's just opportunities like the ISA market in Austin is highly competitive. So I got him early on, you know, he was only a couple years out of college and, you know, he really learned the ropes. And then, you know, I told him, I'm like, you know, there's nowhere else for you to go here, man. Like you've topped out, like not many ISAs are setting 80, 90 appointments in a month. Um, So anyways, um, we we're still good friends. We talk all the time. Great, great guy. But um, anyways, that's, that's, that's how it all started in the beginning. I mean, I first was the one doing it. Like in the early days, I was the one setting the appointments and then I trained somebody else how to do it. And then he was even better than me and kind of took it to the next level. So, and then as revenue grew, we started investing in radio, TV, billboards, direct mail, um, uh, uh, you know, past client marketing events, you know, for like big, big quarterly client appreciation events. Um, you know, to drive more inbound leads. So fast forwarding to today, those are the things you're doing. In addition, I'm guessing you're still doing expired leads as well. Yeah. You know, the market's super hot. So there's not that many expireds. Um, so most of our business now just comes inbound as a result of all the uh, marketing we do through mass media, past client events, um, you know, stuff like that. Okay. So even today, your, your listings agents are averaging a hundred listings a year. Yep. So how, how many listing appointments do they go on? How do those get scheduled? I mean, this, this is, you run a completely different model. I would call it a more efficient model than most of the the people I've seen. So share with us, you have all these different lead sources coming in. These are inbound calls. Who's taking those calls? How are they getting scheduled? I know you've told me before, that you've seen listing agents get burned out by going on too many appointments. So what's the right way to run that side of the business? Yep. So um, the uh, ISAs that are doing outbound prospecting, you know, that are working colder lead sources, those you, it's just, that takes a long time to develop your pipeline. You know, realistic expectations would be in the first 90 days, they start setting about 20 appointments per month. If they're doing it eight hours a day, Month six is a major inflection point where you've got a pretty big pipeline of nurture leads that are ready to pop. And an outbound ISA could get to 30, 40, 45 appointments. Um, and then your are, you know, my inbound ISAs, like they're literally just on the phone with like warm leads all day. Um, my, my inbound ISAs, um, one, one guy in particular, Mark, he'll set 90 to 100 appointments per month. So we have, in Austin, we have a, um, we have a, uh, it, it, most of the year it was just a three person team, but it's, it's four people now. 
Um, and that's all a result of us um, getting the Zillow offers uh, contract in Austin. So we've added a lot. Thank you. We, we've added a lot of people in Austin as a result of that Zillow offers contract. But um, my, our team of three, uh, three people, um, one ISA that took inbound, um, he was setting between 90 and 100 appointments per month all inbound. The other two were doing outbound prospecting, like leveraging our brand in the community, calling expires or drawings, all that kind of stuff. Um, those guys were setting, you know, the, a, a bad month for them would be, for each of them would be about 20 to 30. A good month would be 40 to 45. So our average, you know, during the busy season, you know, the average number of appointments per month is 160, uh, roughly 160 appointments per month. That's listing appointments. Listing appointments, yeah. Okay, and so you have how many agents going on those? What's the what's the breakdown on how many? Yeah. How, so, many, how many appointments can a listing agent go on per day and not get burned out? Yeah. So you know, I was going on um, personally. I was going on uh, 40, 50 appointments a month early in. That's what I was doing in 2013, and I I hit a wall and. I didn't realize it at the moment, but I hired somebody else to be a listing agent. And in six months, he hit the same wall and basically he quit. He like literally left the industry. Um, and so when he left, I hired two no more. <laughs> yeah. I, when he left, a guy named Brad, great, great guy. I still talk to him. Um, when he left, um, I hired two listing agents to try to do the workload. And I burned those two guys out. It was too many, it was too many appointments. And so it took me like several years to figure this out, but like the sweet spot, if you're setting appointments for a um, listing agent consistently throughout the year, the sweet spot is about 15 listing appointments per, um, per month. So like, you know, like three, three to four appointments per week is kind of the sweet spot for a listing agent. Um, the, first, the first 90 days, that may not feel like a whole lot of work for them. But what happens is after like 90 days, their pipeline of active listings is starting to build up. And so, you know, by, by between days 90 and 180, the listing agents really start to feel the pressure if they're going on more appointments than that, because they still need to be, um, you know, calling their clients once a week. So we, we institute a success call every week. So the only thing our list, our listing agents have to do three things. One. Yeah. What is that? Let's do that. Yeah, they got to go get the listing. They got to go win the business. They got to make a weekly success call from a communication perspective. To every active listing. Yep. I mean, anybody in the listing pipeline, whether it's coming soon, active, pending, they got to call once a week. Okay. And the third thing is anything that requires um, influence um, or expertise, uh, Specific exam a specific example would be negotiating a repairs, um, or negotiating offers, they have to be on the call with their transaction coordinator. So anything requiring like influence to try to help somebody make a decision or anything requiring leadership to help lead somebody to make a decision, that's the third um, point that a listing agent has to be involved in. I split tested, like if a listing agent has to go to a closing, they don't. If a listing agent doesn't go to a closing, the seller's not gonna be upset. If you're calling them every single week doing your success call, you're negotiating, the, helping negotiate and lead um, to a resolution specific to the repair amendments and to a contract price. You don't have to go to the closing. Those yeah. are, these are the three pivotal um, points of contact for your listing agent to be involved in the transaction. Okay, so your listing agents are not even scheduling their own appointments. They're just showing up at the listing. Correct. So they have not spoken with, they haven't pre-qualified the listing, is that correct? That was done by your ISA? Yep. So they're showing up. So how do you compensate them? Because I know so many people get turnover with their agents and I, you seem to know how to keep your agents longer now that you're sending them on three to five appointments a week instead of three to five appointments a day. Yep. And so talk to us about what the right compensation is. How do you compensate people so that they still make great money? But I know you're actually paying your listing agents a salary. How does that work? So basically um, they get, you know, I value every listing taken at roughly about 10 basis points of the sales price. And we just, you know, that's just, we say that for optics, I guess you could say. So like every listing they win is valued at about 10 basis points, which, you know, if you're converting at um, conversion rates, by the way, people are probably wondering what's conversion rates. Um, so from literally like go from the appointment set to the closing ratio, 
um, your, your low performers are going to be at about 33%. Um, your high performers from appointment set to closing money in the bank, your high performers are going to be at 50%. That's kind of the general range. If someone falls below 35%, um, you need to get rid of them. If someone's over 50%, it's probably a small sample size you're measuring and they're probably not going on that many appointments <laughs> and they're probably not actually tracking appointment set to actual closing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have different metrics on how they track that. Um, anyway, you so track, you track set to closing is what set you're to closing. Tracking. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing we really, we really care about. We get into some of the other minutia of like, you know, uh, listings live to closings to see if maybe there's like fall off. You know, we basically track that by looking at expireds, how many of our listings expired. Cause then that helps tell us if the agents are doing a bad job from an expectation setting perspective around pricing or, um, you know, just educating the consumer. Every one of these little metrics is, is kind of a nugget into your business as the things you need to be doing to help optimize it. So um, uh, your, I'm sorry, your question. Okay. So the question was compensation. So yeah. the, um, uh, the salary is kind of predicated on this idea that the formula is 10 basis points is assigned to the listing taken. So when it goes live in the listing, live in the, M in the MLS, they get paid 10 basis points um, so for example, on a $300,000 listing, they get paid $300. And then on the back so, end, so when you say 10 basis points, I just, just curious because whenever I talk to somebody in the mortgage industry, yeah, they talk basis points. Yep. Whenever I talk to somebody in real estate, they talk percentage. Yeah. So just curious as to why you use 10 basis points. Um, you know, so how, do, I guess it sounds better it's all optics. It just sounds yeah, I, I want our, I want our listeners to understand this. So yeah, it sounds better than saying one tenth of 1%, right? Like 10 basis points is one tenth of a percent, you know? So it just, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's just a, it's, it's an optics thing, I guess. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess the important thing there, Chris, is your agents are thinking salary plus bonus. They're not thinking, they're not thinking, oh, I should be getting 50% or 30% or 70% yeah. of this transaction. Yeah, like they have guaranteed money coming in just from the listing being taken each month. Um, and, and, and so they're, you know, they're taking six, seven, eight listings a month. So that's, you know, roughly 30K a year is coming in um, just for getting the listing to go live in the MLS. And then um, uh, we have uh, a back-end commission uh, depending on what um, commission menu item the consumer uh, selects. So we have three different options for the consumer to select from a commission perspective. And um, depending on that, their commissions on the back end are between 10 and 15% of the gross commission on the back end. And then people are probably wondering, what do you do about agents that, um, you know, they uh, come onto your team and they win a bunch of listings and none of them sell and you just paid out all this money. So something also we've, we have in our position agreements is what's called a clawback clause that says if a listing fails to sell, you lose um, 10 basis points on that deal against future uh, bonuses or future commissions. Makes that's, sense. That's what okay. kind of protects us on the back end. Okay. I think, we've, I think we've gotten the details of you enough that people are probably like, I really need to spend some time with Chris. So yeah, uh, before we close out, I'll have you share with everyone how to, how to reach out to you. I do have a couple other questions I want to want to get answered though. Um, one is just really, what is your vision for the real estate industry? I mean, as far as technology goes, as far as in five years, what are people going to need to be doing? How are things going to change? Would love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. So my, my big vision for the business is, and I guess, first off, I mapped out the whole U S and I looked at the geography of cities and everything and um, looked at the U S and Canada. And so the goal is to get um, to 2,153 franchisees. And we're going to get there by identifying 53 regional partners. So what I'm in the, uh, in the middle of doing right now is, is uh, I'm currently in nine markets. Um, I'm opening up three more next month. Um, and uh, I've got one in Canada, Toronto, Canada, uh, Denver, um, Jacksonville, Indianapolis. Um, you know, opening up in, um, next month, we're opening up in uh, Orlando, Atlanta, and um, 
uh, in Portland. And uh, okay, got, so what is this? What what business is this? Yeah. So basically, the thing that I realized about the equity partnership thing is is that yes, I can give somebody all the systems, processes, help coach them, tell them exactly what to do. But like, you know, it's not a very equitable, it's not a very equitable deal. Like, you know, like my first um, equity partnership deal, like I was getting some pretty large shareholder distribution checks. Like, and it's, hey, I'm not complaining about it, but like I wasn't the boots on the ground. Like I wasn't the one physically doing all the work. And so, you know, um, it's so just you not did a, not like getting overpaid is what you're saying. Well, I, I, it's not that I didn't like, <laughs> it's not that it's just, you know, like people need to feel like it's a win-win. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. And like something that can scale. Right. And so like, that's just not very scalable. Cause like your, your key leader in the operation is going to get really frustrated because your value um, at, for, for me, what I discovered is, uh, it takes about three years for me to get somebody to, um, implement a recipe book and my value really drops off after three years. And so my, um, my, my thing was, is like, I could basically franchise what I was doing and charge a very tiny royalty. And then it would be very equitable. They own the business. They get all of the shortcuts, all the secrets, the recipe book, et cetera. And, um, and they know I have a vested interest in their business because mm -hmm. um, if, you know, if they don't produce any revenue, I don't get paid anything. Right. So instead of like, you know, having to pay me a fixed fee per month, like in the coaching industry, like I only succeed if you succeed. So, you know, I um, launched a, a franchise system two years ago and um, took it really slow, um, you know, trying to make sure everybody was, you know, saw massive, you know, growth, you know, two, 300% growth year over year was my like minimum standard. I said, if I can't get somebody to two to 300% growth year over year, I ain't going to do this. And so we took it real slow and sure enough, every single person has been on that trajectory path. And so um, now I'm starting to really ramp it up. And so my, my big hairy audacious goal is to take a lot of these early um, franchisees and um, get them to be successful where they basically follow in my footsteps, build a team to hundred to 150 million in revenue and have the leadership in place so that they can truly exit the business and then I want to offer those people regional partner rights so that they can go and help other people copy and paste what they've done. So, and so, so duplicating you to the next level, not just within a team, but actually allowing for growth beyond building a team where you're stepping out and helping other people. Yep, exactly. So um, I'm, my goal is 53 regional partners. Each one has roughly 40 franchisees underneath them. We share the royalty 50-50. And, um, you know, uh, this, this is how, if you've read the book, uh, Peter Thiel's book, zero to one, this is how we go from zero to one. Um, and it's how we create uh, a 10 X. If you've read the book, he says, um, you either have to create a new category in, in an existing industry, or you've got to go 10 X. And this is how we go. 10 X is by creating a, um, a, a better trajectory path for people that are trying to find just this, this crazy high, um, untapped potential in the um, real estate sector. Okay. Speaking of books, you've written a book. Tell us, tell us what's the name of your book. Why should people read it? Why should people go get it? Let's hear about that. Yeah. So several years ago, um, you know, I had, I had several, you know, I, as time was progressing, like I was going to all these masterminds and all these events and kind of like quietly sharing with people what I was doing. Like I didn't really want to make it public. Cause at that point, you know, four or five years ago, I didn't know if, you know, I didn't want anybody to fail. And so like, I was quietly sharing with people and uh, cause they were all asking me like, how are you growing so much faster than I was? And so like they started, you know, these people sitting in the same masterminds as I was um, all started implementing the things I started sharing with them and they started having a lot of success. And so, um, you know, as time progressed, like more and more people found out about what I was doing. And I had a lot of vendors in the real estate space start telling me, you know, Chris, you scaled, the real estate team model faster than anybody that we know of in the history of the industry. Um, you know, from your first year to your, your third year getting to, you know, netting a million bucks. And, um, uh, you know, I think, you know, in our third year, we did 325 closings roughly following year 400 year after that 500. Um, but anyway, so a lot of people started telling me like, you need to, um, you need to share your story and tell people how you did this. And it sounded kind of like a dawning process for me, but um, as, as honestly, what, what really, I guess was the, the lever or mechanism to do it was um, I started getting a lot of people reaching out to me on um, Facebook. Um, like I was getting, I, I get, I still do. I get messages all the time from people asking me like, you know, trying to help them. And so like, I want to help them, 
Um, but it got to a point where it was like pretty, a pretty large, like time suck. You know, I'd spend hours and hours like answering people via Facebook messenger and LinkedIn and Instagram and stuff. People asking me questions and via email and then random phone calls. Like it was taking up a big chunk of my day. And so I said, um, I finally was like, okay, I'm going to, um, write a book and I'll basically talk about my journey of building the team and like all the things I've failed at and, you know, try to like explain kind of a, a, make it a very tactical book to help people kind of scale, um, the growth curve in the team centric model. And, um, so the, the book is called the million dollar real estate team, the million dollar real estate team. And, um, I give it away for free. So you guys can go to, um, uh, brokeragehacking.com. The book cost me, it's 200 some odd pages book. Like it does, it's, it costs money to put the print, um, like four or five bucks. So I pay for the book. Um, the only thing I ask for people to do is just pay for the shipping. Um, I used to not even care about, I used to even pay for shipping, but I started getting, you know, I started getting hit with people buying it in New Zealand and Greece and Canada. And like, I got a bill for when I, um, the first time, uh, sending it to Greece, to, um, to Greece and to New Zealand. And um, I got a bill for like $60 per book. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. And uh, it was kind of cool though, man. I've, I've got like pictures. I have pictures of this guy in China taking a picture of our book on the Great Wall of China. Oh, I, love that. I, I actually put it on our website. Um, but it's been really cool, man. I've, I've had people from all over the world fly into our office. Um, had a guy here from Greece recently, um, UK, New Zealand, uh, um, Australia, um, you know, it's been, it's been awesome. So anyways, um, yeah, you guys, if you're watching this, you guys can go check, get the book free. Uh, you can, you can buy it on Amazon, which I think is like 20 bucks or something, but, um, I have a, a landing page you can go to, to get the book. And, uh, the, the website is brokeragehacking.com. And, um, you know, lots of people ask me why, why, why did I, why is it called brokerage hacking? There's really no meaning behind that. Like I bootstrapped the business. And I was just like hacking my way through the growth <laughs> curve. So um, I, I just think the, like the book just talks about all the, um, the little hacks to help accelerate you through the growth curve. That's kind of the bottom line. So yeah, you go to brokeragehacking.com, you get the book free, just cover the cost of shipping. Um, okay, and, Chris, yeah. so you're building this franchise. If people want to double 200, 300% their income every year, it sounds like really your team slash brokerages are becoming the largest in every area you move into. One of the largest in those areas based on the volume they're producing. Yeah. Every so, team, every team. Um, I mean like my first team's number one in their market. My second team's number one in their market. My third team will be number one at the end of this year. My fourth one will be number one at the end of next year. So like, I mean, they're all, they're all crushing it. So if you want to be number one, get with Chris, right? <laughs> uh, uh, because it sounds like you are going to take over the world as far as real estate goes based on the way you understand this. What technologies are required for you in this franchise? I mean, most franchise companies out there today are building technologies. What's your view on technologies? This all-in-one solution that everybody's creating what do you need in order to run your business and what, what is the duplicatable pieces that your franchisees, you want them to take advantage of? Yeah. So that's right. So a lot of people um, are trying to build these all in one solutions and kind of what I discovered um, almost, I guess it was four or five years ago after wasting all this money on Salesforce is that, um, you know, building an all in one solution is not sustainable. Um, you know, this idea of uh, all in one, um, is, is, is a, a bunch of smoking mirrors in my opinion. Um, you know, when you, as I've, you know, gotten to know the technology sector more holistically, I guess, um, you know, the way like fortune 500 companies operate is most of them have an ecosystem of applications that run their business. And the, most employees though, like have no clue about this ecosystem of applications. Like most depending on what the employee is doing, like they're only operating out of one system. Depending on their role, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Depending on their role. And so, you know, in this ecosystem of applications, for example, in real estate, we have, you know, this, we have this, um, you know, uh, this vertical of lead generation systems, you know, they basically generate leads, right? And then, um, and there's tons of them, dozens and dozens of them. And, um, 
uh, it sucks having to log into all those systems and importing and exporting or parsing or zapping zapier you know it sucks getting all the data out of those to, into your crm so that's the next vertical the next vertical is all your your crms right that help with um, lead management and client management and then you've got your transaction management which you know there's plethora of systems for that and then you've got your accounting systems and there's several of those in the real estate industry and so you know each one of these verticals is kind of like its own little niche and specialty right and um, you know so there there are these companies out there that are trying to um, basically build all of those um, features under one roof and the thing that I learned is the challenge with that is that these little, you know, um, these companies that are more focused, the companies that are more focused, for example, on lead generation are going to out innovate the people that are doing the all in one solution because they're trying to be all things to all people. Um, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. And so, you know, the companies that are hyper focused will always out innovate the person that's trying to boil the ocean. Um, and so what, what I realized after, you know, understanding what big fortune 500 companies do is I started figuring out that the real missing thing is not having an all in one solution. The thing missing is integration. Um, we just, we need a way for these systems to talk to one another. So each person on the team can operate within their respective system. They need to be operating within. For example, the agents should be operating in the CRM. Your transaction management team should be operating in transaction management software. Your, um, you know, account manager, or excuse me, your, uh, your accountant or office manager should be operating out of the accounting system. Uh, but what ends up happening is in the industry is because it's so fragmented and none of these systems talk to each other, you have everybody logging into all the different systems and it's just a, a huge mess. And so um, the, the, the key system that we started using about a year and three or four months ago um, which is the first of its kind in the real estate sector um, is an integration tool called RealSync. And so RealSync is now allowing our systems to talk to one another. So data automatically real time goes back and forth between the systems and it doesn't require a person to import or export files or do double data entry to get data to go back and forth. And, um, uh, so uh, RealSync um, is a system we use to get all of our systems to talk to one another. And then the other, the other really um, important tool I use is Sisu, which is how you and I met. And something I, I realized about um, four or five years ago was that, you know, when you, when you run the team centric model, like I mentioned earlier, earlier, you're bankrolling the success of your agents. And so when you're bankrolling the success of your agents, like you need to know quickly um, based off an agent's early indicators, based off their, their key performance indicators, you need to know early on if this person's building a pipeline and taking the actions um, you know, to have success so that you don't end up wasting a ton of money on the agent. And then from a leadership perspective, you need all the data points from a, from a high level perspective so you know how to navigate the business. And so as somebody that's trying to, I, I'm personally trying to empower other people to implement this model. And so in order for them to implement it, like I too need to see their dashboards to understand what the hell's going on in their business because sometimes what people think is the problem is not always a problem. And so, you know, um, you know, uh, CISU is, is, a, is, a, is a huge component of our system. Um, you know, we have it, our, our team in Austin has it. I log into our other fran uh, expansion teams, franchise teams, and um, I'm looking at their numbers to identify where the holes are in the team leaders' businesses. Um, to help them understand how each metric with that knowledge, you, you are empowered to know what tweaks you need to make in your business. Well, Chris, since you're building this enterprise, Waters International, that's about to take over the world in the next 10 years, as far as real estate and be, be number one in every city, we're grateful that CISU is a part of your technology platform. What about on the, on the, uh, you know, e-signature, uh, CRM side, what, what do you guys use on that front? Just so that people know if they get a part of your business or do, does it not matter to you? It, I, I don't think it matters. Your CRM is just a tool. That's all it is. I mean, my, I mean, I'll tell you guys, like my, I have my team in Austin's on Boomtown. Um, I have multiple franchise partners on Sierra. I have, I have one on Real Geeks. I have one on Firepoint. Um, I have one on Commissions Inc. 
Um, and they're all having success. You know, they're all doing, they're all crushing it. You know, like it's the CRM is not going to, um, uh, you so, know, if you, if you have any of those top CRMs, like you're sitting in a good spot, you know what I mean? So basically you, your people have any CRM, it doesn't matter. You're using real sync. You're pulling that into CSU. You're looking at the data. That's, that's the important thing for you, helping them make decisions. Yep. Yep. So yeah. And, uh, and so I have, I have exposure to all the CRMs and I'm, I've seen them all and my team has used them all and they're all awesome. I mean, Firepoint's great. Uh, CRM Interact is great. Boomtown's great. Um, so, I mean, they all work like, you know, it's, it's not the, it's not the technology. If you're not getting results with one of these systems, it's not the technology, it's the people. It's the people that have the tools at their disposal um, that aren't capitalizing on them. Yeah, I, I don't think people realize how lucky they are in real estate to have so many easy options that you just buy and you turn them on compared to having to build out a Salesforce platform, which is way more expensive, right? Yes, so, yes. Which, which you know. We're very, so, we're very fortunate in the real estate industry to have some great solutions um, in, in like, you know, in the typical business world. Yeah, you got to go get a CRM. And the other thing is your CRM system is basically like a task management you know, platform basically. Um, and then and on top of your CRM in the rest of the world, you also have to go get a, um, a program that like manages your actual lead generation, like, you know, sending out emails and drip emails and texting. Like these are all little additional features you have to get on the app exchange store. What do you use? What do you use there? Um, so for my, my, my team in Austin, we have, um, we use Boomtown on the buy side. And, and because the listing side is more, you know, we have so many players involved to help our listing agents do so many deals. Um, on the Salesforce side, we use autopilot as kind of the marketing engine that okay. runs behind uh, Salesforce. And then um, we have Ring Central as our voice over IP phone system. Um, we use um, a dialer called Five9. Um, we have, uh, what else do we have on, built on Salesforce? I'm, you know, I have a full-time Salesforce administrator and developer for, I don't even know all the tools we have. It's not, it's, it's over, I'll tell you, it's over $10,000 a month. It's expensive. Yeah. And if yeah. I could do it all over again, I don't, I wouldn't go down that path. I wouldn't do it again. Um, you know, I do have some pretty cool advantages with Salesforce. Um, like for example, when we, when we won uh, the Zillow offers contract, like, I mean, I have it, I have it probably built out better than anybody in the whole U S you know, like I, I can, our team in Austin, for example, um, we're, Brad and I are going to write another book. And in the next book, it's going to talk about how to take the team model from 500 transactions to 3000. And I'm going to publish that book at the end of next year, how we went in 18 months from 500 transactions to 3000. And I could have never done that without Salesforce. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Chris, I know we've been, we've been on here a lot longer than I expected, but great, great time together. And thank you for all of your advice. I, I'm uh, I'm knowing that people are going to want to reach out and uh, probably learn more about Waters International. So where do they do that? Man, honestly, the, the best first step is read the book. Go read the book. Like, you know, you'll get, you'll get seven years of, or, or excuse me, nine, nine years of, um, you know, what's been going on up here in my head from an experience perspective and just, you know, um, documenting how, how we grew the business. So go read the book first. Um, I've got, you know, I've got some cool stuff I've, I've created to help people. Um, you know, I think one of the, the, the biggest challenges in real estate is learning how to be a CEO, not like how to be a great agent. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of programs out there to teach you like how to be a great agent and convert more leads and be a better salesperson and, you know, find more listings and all that. But there's not a lot of people out there. Actually, I don't think there's anybody out there really helping agents make that transition to learning how to be a CEO. So one of the things that um, I, I, I do in addition to the book, and it's something I just more of a passion project, is um, I have something called, um, a, 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 it's called um, CEO Masterclass. Um, and the CEO Masterclass is designed for agents that are trying to make that transition from being an agent to a CEO. And um, I, I do, I only do like, I do it like twice a month and uh, it's only, I only, I, I'll, I have a cap on there. I only do it for like five, six, seven. Uh, I think the most I'll do is like eight. Like that's the most, I'll never have a group I'm working with of more than eight people. So it's very, for a very small few select group of people. 
Um, and don't even, you know, the uh, franchise thing, that's, that's a lengthy application process and like 95% of people don't even qualify. So like, I wouldn't even reach out to me about that. Just read the book. And if you like the book, check out the CEO masterclass. And if you're maybe one out of those every, you know, if you're one out of, if you're one of the thousand people that, you know, has the capacity to go from, you know, uh, 30 deals to a hundred in a single year or from 30 deals to 500 deals in 500 from, from 30 deals to 500. If you have that kind of mental capacity to be able to grow from 30 deals to 500 in three years, you know, that's a very tiny percentage of agents out there. But if you feel like you have that capacity, then maybe, you know, you might be a good fit to go through the application process, but read the dang book first. Okay. So the CEO masterclass, what's where is that do you have that online somewhere or how do people so i send i send out if you buy the book i send out an invitation to the people that read the book and they get an invitation um like twice a month um to to register for one of our openings because like look i ain't here trying to make money selling stuff like that but anyway i'm doing this um i that's the the reason a ceo masterclass came about was because after first i tried solving the problem of all these people messaging me on facebook for several years which is why i wrote the book but then everybody, I wrote the book and then people wanted more. And so I was like, oh, so then the CEO masterclass came about. So, okay. So the book is the place to start everyone. Go get a free book. Chris has told you how to do that and uh, start there and enjoy that. So I guarantee, I guarantee it will, uh, the book, it will be one of the best ones you've read. I promise you, you guys can read the reviews on Amazon. It's, um, I was, you know, I'm always pessimistic about everything I do. Um, but you know, like uh, the reviews, I think the reviews speak for themselves. Cool. I've loved our time together, Chris. Thank you so much. And we'll catch up with you soon. Cool. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, we'll see you. So there you have it. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven day trial of Sisu, make sure that you use the coupon GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast on iTunes. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.